0: Hello and welcome to Four Spikes. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Hey,
1: everybody. It's been a while.
0: <laughs> yes, it has. And uh, it's also been a while for two of our uh, other guests on the call today. We have uh, Judge Jared back with us and uh, Max. Hey, 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 and uh, we also have a first-time guest of the show on, and you guys will know him as a writer for Channel Fireball, as well as uh, pro tour player uh, Caleb Durwood. Uh, Hello, Caleb. Uh, Howdy. Hey, uh, how are we doing tonight? Uh, Pretty well. We're going to get into the show, talk a little bit about Standard, uh, both the bannings and what it's going to mean post-July 1st. Uh, we're recording before that and should have the show out well before then. Uh, we'll go over KC a little bit and uh, we'll talk about the recent spoiler tonight. We had uh, the new Jace out. Before we get into all that, though, I think it would be cool for our listeners to hear a little bit more about uh, you, Caleb. Uh, for those who who are not familiar with you, and for those who, you know who are familiar and just want to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, why don't you just, uh, give us a little history about your history in Magic, and, uh, we can talk about some of your, uh, recent successes.
2: Uh, okay. Um, I think the first impact I had on the Magic community was, uh, back in the original Mirrodin Standard. I broke the Monobutal Tron deck that, uh, took over for a while, and, but I'm not known for that because I wasn't a name at the time, um... Then, a while later, uh, most people know me as the guy that uh, broke blue, Blue-Green Survival at GP Columbus. And after that, I've had some Star City finishes, like just cash tournaments. Um, did some more popularizing vampires. And then I built the the shell for Painted Stone that people have been playing in Legacy lately. Um, I think that about covers it.
0: Okay, and uh, that well, that is actually pretty impactful, because that survival... Uh, <laughs> That had that ended up in a banning, hey, and yeah, yeah. Some, some might trace that back to you.
2: Yes, every <laughs> once in a while, I get uh, angry legacy players that come up to me and say, "Well, not nice things." <laughs> but say, generally, man, I'm joking, they give me the tools.
0: I'm just using them. Yeah, yeah. Not in Wizards R and D, you know, they make these cards. Yeah. <laughs> Right on um, and uh, you also uh, you're you're doing articles for Channel Fireball, right?
2: Yep, I've got a weekly column now called uh, Legacy Weapon, but okay. I don't always write about legacy. Um, I did an article on the uh, the Guillaumes and the the whole leak that happened right. fairly recently. Yeah, a lot that, of people was an read awesome that one.
0: Article. actually it was it was kind of more than. Just an article, and if anyone hasn't checked that out yet, uh, it's on Channel Fireball's site archive, so channelfireball.com, and just uh, you can search Caleb's articles for it. But that was a really interesting one because there's a lot of commentary on the situation, and there are even a lot of uh, articles as well as podcasts that would talk about it. Uh, you know, and, and offer a lot of opinions. But what you gave to the community, which was very interesting, was a much more investigative, research-style, fact-based article, uh, which kind of just showed the progression of how things went. And I think shed a lot of uh, light onto a situation where people were uh, giving a lot of opinions but not necessarily having all the facts at hand. So props to you, man. That was a great read. I really
2: enjoyed it myself. And, I'm sure a lot hey, thanks. Of did. And, and yeah, that was the goal. Like, uh, I know usually when something like that happens, I'm sitting at home wondering how it happened, and so I wanted to tell a complete story. And I didn't really feel satisfied. So you, so you write those articles for Channel
0: Fireball uh, now, but how did that, that's that's fairly recent, right? How did you get started uh, in that position?
2: Uh, well, after Columbus, uh, Blue Green Mandis had a lot of buzz around it. Like, it, it's been a while since Aquamiba had seen play in Legacy. And so uh, I knew, and I was getting a lot of hype for that, so I knew I could basically sell the tournament report to whoever I wanted to. Um, I appreciated that Channel Fireball doesn't, like, charge premium for some content over others. Yeah, and, I, and I really like their staff of writers. So I uh, uh, I sent a, a query letter to, to LSB, and he accepted. And then after that, I started sending in articles every once in a while. Um, and uh, and they all got ran. And when I wanted to do a column, I didn't really want to, like, push it on them because I'd, I'd only been writing there for a couple months anyway. But then when uh, Steve Saden, who is actually here right now, uh, asked me to come over to Star City, I, uh, you know, um, I, I used that as leverage. I was like, hey, they offered me a column position. Um, but, I mean... I started writing for Ch- Channel Fireball first. I'd like to stay here. Like, what do you think? And they were fine with that. And uh, and now recently I'm going to be doing um, video as well. I'm going to start doing the, uh, the video walkthroughs that have been popular lately.
0: That's awesome. For- yeah, Channel Fireball's videos are some of the best online. Those are phenomenal. And uh, I personally think that LSVs are just the best. Not necessarily because of his jokes but more so just he'll talk through exactly what he's uh, you know like every kind of uh, progression of his mentality and, and every single thought that you know well in this situation it's probably this 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 or that going on and you know he kind of talks through the, the whole progression of his thought process which is just great so that's really a good site to get your videos up on and and our listeners should definitely keep an eye out is there any estimated time when when those videos will be coming up
2: Oh, yeah. uh, I have no clue. I know that um, they try and space them out. Um, so, I mean, that's all I can really say. Just keep an eye out. I don't really have an estimated time.
0: Okay, and uh, do you have uh, a Twitter account uh, where
2: people can get updates? <laughs> uh, that, that's a no. I'm kind of in the Stone Age. Okay. Not only do I not have a Twitter account, I do not have a phone or a driver's license. You might wonder how I survive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're not the only magic player that I've heard a pro magic player by the, um, as well that I've heard doesn't have a phone a driver's license um, or a Twitter. So like I can actually think of off the top of my head, um, two or three people that are pretty well known. Um, Owen doesn't have a driver's license. Recently got a phone um, about, about a year ago um, uh, and a Twitter like three months ago. Um, uh, Jerry Thompson was basically dragged kicking and screaming st- into the Twitterverse. Um, I don't know if he has a um, a driver's license, but I know that he's been on and off of phone of having a phone for the last two years. Um, so I guess that's interesting. If it's just kind of a lifestyle thing where you uh, you can get by without the necessities of, of, of driving. Um, and some of these other things. It's interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I live in a house with a bunch of other Magic players, and I live in a place with good public transportation, so I always have rides to tournaments. And then if I really need to get somewhere, I can take the the train or the bus or ride my bike. I love it. That's cool. You're
0: you're out of uh, Chicago, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so a good good transit system there, and fairly bike-friendly, except in the winter. Excuse okay. me? What, what, what
1: happens if I get, get lost? lost? Yeah. Like, the cell phone I, seems like the, the biggest, most pop- three thing.
2: The, the nice thing about not having a cell phone is that everybody else in the known world has a cell phone. So if I'm lost, I ask the buddy next to me, like, Hey, guy, could I borrow your cell phone for a minute? And most people are like, Sure, here's a lost person. They would like to use my cell phone. I've actually had, never had someone be like, No, you can't use it. That's,
1: That's interesting.
2: Right on.
0: Well, um, maybe you will uh, turn like the rest of the Magic Pros and get a cell phone and Twitter and license eventually, but uh, for now, uh, I guess people are just going to have to keep an eye out, and as soon as it comes, it comes. But I'm sure those videos will be great. And are they going to
2: be specifically Legacy, or are you going to expand my, into... My first set is going to be on Birthing Pod. Uh, while I still can, um, A lot of I, there was some online interest, and then some people came up to me in real life asking if I could do some videos on this deck because I was doing well with it, and then not everybody can see how to to, to make the deck tick or perform because it's an engine deck. And so, like, once you get the hang of it, it's fairly easy. But until that point, it can be daunting.
0: Right on. And uh, two follow-up questions on that then, which uh, will be a nice segue into our next segment, which is... Uh, number one, is that the type of thing that you can uh, discuss on the airwaves, or is it something we need to wait for the video series to hear more about? I mean, sure, you can ask questions. I, I wrote an article on the deck. Okay. Well, uh, if, if that's the case, then is it going to be uh, better, worse, or uh, not affected? And I'm going to assume it's going to be better uh, after uh, July 1st uh, banning takes place.
2: Uh, I think you assume incorrectly. Um, It's very difficult for green decks to handle uh, Valakut um, and other ramp decks, and those decks haven't been playable for a while now, and suddenly they're going to become playable again. Um, Meanwhile, the Cobblade matchup is pretty fantastic. It's the main reason to be running the deck. Um, I think it'll still be playable in some metagames, but not all. That
0: is going to lead us into the next topic, which will be, of course, standard. Um, so, Greg, why don't you tell our listeners, for anyone that hasn't heard, uh, what's going on with Standard, um, and what's going to happen after July 1st?
1: Sure. So, if you've been living under a rock, no access to any form of internet, Facebook, Twitter, um, or Magic players in in the course of the last week. It was announced, uh, midnight on the East Coast on Sunday, that Stoneforge Mystic and Jason MindSculptor are going to be banned in standard at effective July first. Um, an exception to Stoneforge Mystic if you've got if you've got the out of the package uh, um, list for the uh, Stoneforge Mystic deck. Um, the one of the two um F and um, playable decks. If you if you run the exact list uh, then you can play Stoneforge Mystic in Standard, um, but, um, uh, that's, and that's actually the only effective, uh, IRL, um, you can't even play it, um, in, uh, in events on Moto. So, uh, um, those are the only, those are the only bannings, but the bannings obviously are, um, quite impactful to Standard. Uh, there's a really interesting article that Aaron Forsyth, um, put out, um, at the same time as the announcement of the bannings, that is basically an explanation article. Um, uh, we can attach that to the um, uh, the show notes. It's something that, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. I don't know if all, even all of the, list, the uh, um, people on this show have read it, but it's it's outstanding. It's very interesting. It talks about, uh, from a development standpoint, um, you know how, how both of those cards got through development and then the struggle to decide whether or not to... Uh, to ban to ban Jason to ban Stoneforge, um, so are there any? John, you asked um, impact beyond that.
0: Yeah, and we can open it up. First of all, what everyone thinks of it, but second of all, if it's if that's good or bad for Magic and first standard. So anyone can jump right in.
3: <laughs> Max, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, one of the I mean. I really liked Cobblade and had a lot of fun. I I have it fully built on Moto and was battling with it, and it's a really awesome deck and incredibly skill-testing, so I was getting outplayed in some mirrors or whatever. But the issue was it was the most dominant deck we've seen in, like, at least five years, and it was taking, like, I think I saw in Mike Flores' article, like, 60 plus percent of the PTQ wins, or something, even more than that. And I remember I went to a PTQ in North Carolina. It was like the second week of this new standard format, and there were less than 60 people there, and it was clearly not good for the health of the game.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, well, I, I want to hear what everyone else thinks, then I'll weigh in. Jared or Caleb, uh, any thoughts?
2: Uh, well, I mean, Clearly, it's going to be a healthier format without Stoneforge Mystic and Jace around. But uh, I'm always sad to see cards banned. I like playing with cards, and so I'll generally like come up with reasons why things shouldn't be banned. Well beyond the, well beyond everybody else. But I can't really think of a good reason this time. Um, my buddy Craig Wesco wrote an article about uh, over on TCG, TCG Player, and he suggested maybe allowing like Pithing Needle and Oblivion Ring just being used without actually having to reprint the cards. I thought thought they should have been in the format anyway. anyway, There's no reason Oblivion Ring shouldn't just be in every core set at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. They've tried to maybe print a couple other answers to Planeswalkers, but Oblivion Ring has been far and away one of the best ever printed. Jared, do you want to weigh in?
1: Um, Well, I don't don't think they really had any choice about the bannings. Um, The only thing that I'm kind of annoyed by is the letting people play the list um, from the event deck in tournaments. I mean, I don't I don't think it's going to be a huge deal because the list obviously isn't optimal, but literally anytime anyone plays a Stoneforge Mystic as a judge, we're going to get called, and we're going to have to deck check them every single time.
0: That's interesting. I didn't even and, think about that.
1: Yeah, and yeah. It, it's just going to slow a round down, or slow rounds down.
3: Yeah, it's so weird. It's just the weirdest exception ever, and I kind of want that deck to actually be, like, pseudo-viable, just because it would be hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and plus, I mean, it's correct to call a judge every single time in that situation, right? Because... Oh, absolutely. Who? No- yeah, yeah. I- I'd call a judge every time. Interesting. Wow, that that is a very interesting point. In my opinion, Wizards had to make this choice because they're losing money, and that's the bottom line of their bottom line. There was one interesting thing that Cowblade brought to the format, which you know, there's already precedent for in that Sensei's Divining Top was banned already because of time issues, and with Callblade, all the shuffling alone that you had with your Stoneforge Mystic and Squadron Hawks, as well as Jace being a factor, we could shuffle them back in and do it multiple times. I mean, you know, and, you know, Caleb, I I met you playing in tournament where you were running that list. And I'm sure you can attest to how long those matches would take. And Max, you ran you ran that deck pretty exclusively as well. Um, although if it's online, it's a lot easier because you got the auto-shuffler. But just the length of those tournaments were really grinding, I think, for people who are uh, running those. I think I think Wizards was just losing money. If they're losing attendance and, you know, it's a lot... It's kind of like a non-captive player. Uh, you know, there's there's certain players who are going to play the game no matter what, right? And then you have people who are, those are the captive players, you have people who are going to be, you know, more, uh, you know, kind of flexible in that. And the people who are not as captive, I think those guys, it's a lot harder to get them back into the game once you lose them than if if you don't lose them in the first place. And I think Wizards just made a long-term strategic plan where they saw the numbers at their tournaments dwindling and also attendance at FNMs, et cetera, and they decided that, you know, that's... That's uh, not in the interest of the game long term, and something needed to be done. This is the quickest thing they could have done to fix it, um, given you know the banning timelines that they were on. So, so it just made sense. I agree with Caleb as well. I'm always sad to see anything banned, but uh, and you know I don't know. I, I would have, I'd like to see this birthing pod decky off Caleb, and I'm sure there were other answers that were out there that, or th- there might well have been other answers that just haven't been explored
2: yet. If I can interject, I. Yeah. Um, our match was the first time I ever played the deck, and I think it was the only time I was in danger of like, getting a draw from it. Um, I actually like that, uh, that it takes so much shuffling and has people almost going to time because really deliberate players, like overly deliberate, deliberate players that might only take up like one draw per tournament, now all of a sudden can't do that. Like, they'll end up with three draws, and it, they won't be able to top eight. And so, uh, in some respects, it's it's making magic players better because they have to make their quick decisions quicker and know when they can tank and when not to. It's developing different skills. I, I appreciated that part about the deck.
0: Huh, that's an interesting aspect. I hadn't thought about that, but that does make sense. Um, although, uh, you know, the, I mean, the opposite of that is true then as well, right? Meaning that someone could... Uh, your opponent could take that extra time to shuffle a little bit more and could take, you know, not take advantage, but it's hard to tell. And, you know, five extra shuffles per, or five extra riffles per shuffle, you know, all that adds up and they might be trying to take advantage of the time as well. I mean, I think, I think that's, that's a fair point. I also think that to be able to have time to, you know, go to the bathroom after a match to get something to eat, and I just have a tough time playing a deck that doesn't allow for me to do that as, as uh, often as I'd like to between rounds. But but I hear what you're saying. That's actually a really good point. You know, players are going to have to speed up a little bit um, who normally would take a little bit longer with a deck like that. But that's interesting that you only went to time in one uh, in one round in that whole tournament because you must have played against other Cowblade decks, right?
2: Oh, uh, no, no, we, we didn't go to time. That was the one that where I was in danger of drawing. Um, I've played Cobblade in five or six different tournaments, and I've gone to time in a, in three or four matches, I think, but uh, none of them ended in a draw. Like, they were resolved in those extra turns.
0: So that's kind of a, a little bit of the background and insight into the bannings. Um but let's look into post-July first and what it's going to mean. Um, and, Max, we've already talked about this extensively. Uh, Caleb, you already offered some insights. But uh, what decks are going to be rampant that our listeners need to look out for now that uh, Stoneforge
3: and Jace, the Mind Sculptor, are going to be banned? I mean, I think the two decks that I everyone's talk about right now, I haven't really, I haven't done that much testing in the new format yet, are just Valakut and, the, and Splinter Twin combo decks, which are just both... Valakut's entirely intact, and then Splinter Twin loses Jace, but it also has a very good Valakut matchup. And then those are just both relatively fast ramp or combo decks that you need to be aware of and not just play random four drops and lose to them.
2: True. And Caleb, what do you think? Uh, Those are the two obvious ones. And then uh, Mono Red should look pretty good. They reprinted Grim Lava Mancer. That's pretty sweet. And then... uh, I think uh, Vampires is actually better than it has been in the format since, like, Blue Black was playing for Doomblade's main. The uh, the deck has a phenomenal Deceiver matchup, um, and then it can be tuned to, like, be 50 50 with Valakut in matches with, with a competent pilot. So Deceiver is just going to have a huge leg up over Valakut because one of these decks wins on turn four and the other one wins on turn six. And so the, then, like, Vampires will be able to, like, stay up at the top tables and, and take advantage of that shift. Um, so that's probably what I'm going to be playing for the first several weeks.
0: Are there any other aggressive-type decks that can be realistic now that we're not, with uh, something like Batterskull being able to be so easily summoned, as well as, uh, you know, the rest of that deck had to offer, such as, um, you know, can Boros make a Resurgence now? Uh, I would to play
3: Stoneforge for
2: you you Stoneforge Mystic was pretty important to that deck. Mm-hmm.
0: How about any other aggressive decks out there? Goblins or
3: whatever? I mean, I mean like, what? there'll be one good mono-red deck, and there'll probably not be goblins, and there won't really be a reason to play a suboptimal other mono-red deck.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about Kaldolta
3: Red coming back?
2: Uh, the Red definitely gets better with the loss of Cobblade. I mean, one of those decks sacrificed two permanents to make three and one of them cast a 1-1 that made three other 1-1s slowly. Um, and then Batterskull was good against Kaldatha as well. But the deck's, the deck's just fairly inconsistent, and most people build it to be more powerful than consistent, so I don't see the deck being, like... A major tier of the metagame, even with Cobblade gone How about Mono Black Control? It could be sweet. Um, we uh we lose Mind Sludge soon, don't we? Yes.
0: Yes, That's with Endicar. Yeah, Mind Sludge will be going out. Which is too bad. That card really hasn't seen the plate. I feel like it deserves. Right? Just seems like such a sweet card, but I guess you still Spell Pierce in the format and other shenanigans. But
3: I, I mean, I I think there's room for a more Mono Red version of Vampires, where you just play lash Rife and then some duresses because you now no longer want infinite bolts just kill turn to stoneforge. I'm not sure about that.
0: I don't know. I'm still gonna try to rock I'm trying to rock Splinter Twin in a couple different variations, but I really want to make sure the next deck I play is gonna have Koth in it again. I just love that card so much. It's so fun. Have you guys been brewing any decks or looking at anything that's gonna be running Koth?
1: Well I think Koth is I think Koth is really good. Um but cough is also a really good answer to a JSTEC. So in the absence of a metagame filled with JSTECs, cough is answering a question that isn't being asked. So it's not that the power level of cough is hurt severely. It's just that it's not It's not filling a hole that you really need filled. You've got you've got a a deck that needs to be disrupted in Splinter Twin Exarch, and then you know what 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 does a deck built on um, bolting things and twisting a you know turning a four four sideways do against a combo deck? I don't think it does a whole heck of a lot. I don't think that you can race um, a a combo deck with that kind of a strategy. So I I like cloth as a card, and I think that there's a lot of of power that a mono-red deck can have, but I don't... So I think that mono-red is probably going to be one of those decks that just does really, really well in the first tournament or two right after after the bannings, right after the first. But I, I don't know if it's the type of deck that's going to maintain, um, after that. I think that we've got, um, the, um, the Gain Infinite Life deck that also, at the same time, has cards like Sutra Priest that, um, um, just blow out Exarch Twin. Um, I think, I think a deck like that is, um, you know, really, really set up to have a good run. It, it's, it's sad to say that gaining infinite life is the type of uh, strategy that that is going to uh, um, take down big tournaments. But I think that it is. Uh, that's 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 my short short term thoughts on on the metagame um, change. Obviously, Valakut's going to be around just because they no longer have to deal um, with some of uh, some of like JSTEC's um, you know, so, and that's easy. It's easy to just say, all right, let's put Primeval Titan and all those same cards that we played right before Callblade killed us. Let's let's try that strategy again, and it's going to be consistent, and it's going to beat all of the bad aggro decks that are going to come out and be like, oh, we don't have to play against Jace. So, I don't know, what, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I
2: disagree somewhat. Um, I think that while... Koth is a good answer to Jace. There's still going to be some slow control decks, and there'll still be a place for it. Um, Celestial Purge will still still see some play, so Koth won't go bonkers, but I think the style of red deck that will be popular is one that needs to like have an extra red mana open for Grim Lava Mancer every turn while casting other threats and other types of removal. So like having a curve that goes up to 4 to take advantage of Koth with Grim Lava Mancer to get dudes out of the way for the Koth 4-4 to hit them... Seems uh, pretty realistic.
1: Uh, Lava Mancer I... doesn't come in. I guess it's, well, we're, we're, we might be talking about two different things as well, because Lava Mancer doesn't come in until M12, which doesn't happen for a couple weeks after the first. So there's, there's, I'm talking about that, that little stretch between the banning and the release weekend. Because I don't know what else is in M12. I mean, I, I, maybe I missed something. While I was briefly off the call, but I don't know of a full spoiler that's come out. There's a handful of cards. By hand, there's only a handful of cards that have been spoiled, and therefore there's a lot of people, a lot of cards that haven't been spoiled. So while you've got Lava Mancer, a really strong red card, there there might be cards in blue that make blue viable in the, in the absence of of jace or other colors or other strategies that might not have been viable before that are now viable
3: Um, well
0: i like what you did there caleb your nice little uh slipping in that grim lavamancer thought no one would catch it let's talk about that quickly uh there are some spoilers out including that grim lavamancer is back which is awesome i am so awesome He's so awesome,
2: absolutely, Max. Uh, yeah, finally we've got a great answer to uh, Stoneforge Mystic and uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Isn't that great, guys? <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> well, um, touche, but uh, still excited for it and to play it in in uh, standard once again. Such a great card, and it, it, it's the type of card that is uh, it, it's it's not a. It's not so narrow, you know, it opens up a lot of different strategies, I think, and, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Along with the Grim Love Mantor, though, we have a new Jace, and uh, Max, can you explain to our listeners, if they haven't seen you, what that Jace does?
3: Sure, its name is Jace Memory Adept, if I'm correct, it's... Three blue-blue for a Planeswalker with type Jace, so if Mind Sculptor was still legal, you could, I guess, play it if you needed your 10th Jace in your deck, but it's not. Um, it's got four loyalty. It's got three abilities. It's plus one is you draw a card and then can mill target player for one card. It's zero is you mill the top ten cards of, tar- of target player's library, and it's minus seven is that any number of target players each draw 20 cards.
0: So you want to open this in your limited pool or draft it. Any applications besides that? Um,
3: I guess if you really want to play a five-drop Planeswalker that doesn't impact the
2: board. <laughs> uh, we have a term for that. That's EDH playable, right, guys? <laughs> right
0: yeah so i mean it's interesting like it's i mean it's it's interesting as a casual card like it's super fun and and I can see that, but it's kind of sad to see i mean they want r and d obviously or whoever you know wants to balance things, but you know the the uh and they realize they probably went a little overboard with Jace the mind sculptor, but this new one just seems so. Butchered and sad how far Jace has fallen from Grace, you know? Yeah, I mean, they want Jace to be the face of magic. They want it to be the brand, you know, that, that we can sell magic off of, but this guy isn't doing it for me. I'll, uh, I'll yeah. wait until
3: Cough 2.0 comes out, but I don't know. Not very I mean, happy. Huh? It it combines the elements of Jace 1.0, which is that it could draw you a card and it didn't affect the board with the costing a million of Jace 2.0, except it's mana, not dollars this time. And it's uh it's five instead of three or four, so. Hey, there have been so there have been some five drop played rockers that are playable. Sarkin was playable in Jund and um Fencer was playable in decks that lost to Cobblade. <laughs>
0: Uh, true story. Do we have Jared back? We, uh, lost him and got him back on. Nope. Okay. So Jared's uh, call, I think we're having some technical difficulties, but he's been logging out and logging on. I think we lost him, though. Caleb, do you, uh, do you have any, um, funny anecdotes that you can share with the Magic community while I try to see if there's a way to fix
3: this?
2: Uh sure. Um there's a story of how I met Alex B uh Alex Burton G. Well I met him in GP Columbus. Round five or six, we were both in the XO bracket. He was playing Murfolk, of course. Um and in the third game I played a wild mongrel. He was sitting there with some counter magic in hand, but I mean who count, who force of wills a wild mongrel? Like it's just a grizzly bear. So let's that resolve. Like and, like, with a little look of, like, what a scrub on his face. I'm like, all right, discard a couple of Venge Vines, passing Root wall, I hit you for eight. And his face just goes white, <laughs> and he looked down the board like, how am I losing this game? It was just a wild mongrel. And uh, and I looked down, and I noticed that the, the mongrel, the actual card, um, has some male genitalia drawn on it. And, like, now my face <laughs> goes white, because I've discovered a way to lose this game, because, I mean... Who knows what the ruling for that is? I didn't know what the ruling was. <laughs> so I, like, slowly slide my hand over the art on this card. He's he's too focused on, like, actually losing the game to, to, um, to, to notice. But afterwards, I told him, and we laughed about it, and he said that if a judge had come over, he would have put the, his hand over the card himself because he thought it was funny.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there used to be a whole culture of that, actually, uh, back in the five-color... Uh, playing for anti-days where you'd have to give over your card, but you'd have to sign it or put a little piece of art on it. And, uh, yeah, there's probably a lot of those guys running around. The good thing, and I just want to mention this, for all the people, I forgot to say it before, who are who are really pissed, I talked with a couple of my buddies before who finally got their sets of Jaces and Stone Forges all filled out, it's still going to hold value. And it will still be playable, both those cards will be playable for years to come in other formats, so it's not nothing to get too bent out of shape about, you know.
1: Play yeah, right. you only lose you only lose really, really badly if you try and shipping ship those cards right now. I, I actually think that like trying to buy Jace at thirty and buy Stoneforge at three is you know if you can get them for those those prices, yeah. If you can try and get those get them for those prices, those are the spots where you're going to be making money on these cards though. because a bunch of people just want to ship them. So I, I, like I said, I recommend buying at three and at thirty. Um and, and trying and to make some money out of this crazy banning sit on cards, but that's what I would do.
0: If you can get a Jace for thirty, that is bonkers. It is by far one of the most powerful cards printed in recent memory and is played in vintage, is played in legacy, uh, it will be played in whatever the new extended format is gonna look like, you know, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it, sh-
2: it should really go insane in extended season. They, can, they always do.
0: Yeah, don't sweat it too much. It's not Wizards isn't screwing you over because those cards are, you know, supply. It's a very limited supply, and there's going to be more and more people playing those formats. Will still be popular, and it's still going to get played in in fair in a lot of formats. So yeah, if you can get it for three and thirty, as Greg was saying, that is a steal. Let's see. What else do you want to talk about?
2: Uh, actually, this weekend I'm going to be taking advantage of. The the standard format being as it is, and I'm playing some PTQs here in Chicago, oh, which will also give be... me some time to uh, actually test Legacy. Usually I'm traveling between tournaments so often that I don't get to uh, actually like stay in my hometown and en- enjoy the place here, but sure. I do now. Are you
0: playing in the one Saturday?
2: Uh, Saturday, and, and, well, hopefully just Saturday, but um, in Sunday there's one in Indy as well. Okay.
0: Well, we're actually going to be stopping through. We'll, we'll hit you up and let you know, but we'll be in there for the one in Saturday. i probably see you down there.
2: Um, Sweet.
0: and one other thing we wanted to touch on, did you get a chance to go to KC? Uh,
2: Kansas City? Yeah. Um, I tested the, for the sealed portion heavier than I usually do for a limited GP. Usually I just do a few drafts and show up and mm-hmm. six, three, you know, but, uh, for this one, I did. I I busted my butt and I went eight oh one in the sealed portion. Oh, nice! And then uh, I kind of bombed out of the draft portion, unfortunately. But most of them were pretty close games, and overall, I feel pretty good about my performance. I and still cashed.
0: What, what was your record, or, or what was your placing?
2: Uh, I don't know, fifty eighth or something.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah, congrats, man. And uh, Greg, you also got to go to that tournament, right?
1: Yeah, I went six and three. Uh, s- but like I think nine of the sixteen, no, uh, six two and ones made day two, so I just missed out. I I lost against Ale- Alexander West in the fourth round. Um, kind of I I misbuilt missed, missed my deck pretty poorly. I I, um, I had a very greedy build and uh, having to side out a um, um, a Mirren Crusader every game because it hurt my mana. Because I was I was, I was um, what what appeared to be solidly three colors when I didn't want to be solidly three colors, just um, just splashing for two colors, uh, hurt me hurt me pretty bad. Um, so yeah, I, I lost a, a lot of game ones. Came back and won a handful of those uh, 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 game two and three, but uh, but not enough to get into day two. which is disappointing.
0: Yeah. No. Any any uh, further thoughts after KC about uh, uh, sealed and uh, NPH?
1: I, I, love, I still love this format, both, both this, this field and, and the draft format. I, I love the draft format uh, considerably more. Uh, I was really disappointed to not get uh, get to day two to um, show some non, uh, non-Wisconsinites how it's done. Uh, I, I drafted um, – in, in real life, I drafted something like um, two times a day for uh, – with the exception of the weekend before we left – um, it was two times a day for, for about two, two and a half weeks. So, um, all told, I got in a lot of drafts. Um, and, and that, those drafts are, are almost exclusively with, um, with 18 to 19 plus rating, um, Milwaukee players that, um, not only play frequently, but also have, um, quite a bit of different insights. So I felt like I was really, really prepared. And uh, not not getting there, um, like not even getting to the point where I could draft was really disappointing. Because I was, I still felt like right before the actual um, event that not only was it um, was I was I prepared, but I was having like a great time, which I think is a part of the mix of of both being confident and having fun uh, that you need to succeed. So I was I was really disappointed. Uh, sealed. There's there's a couple cards that's really really hard to beat. Like you get an Elishnor in your pool, and and it's hard it's hard to like you can fall over and still win games. Um, but with the exception of a couple of cards like that, uh, I thought that that there was enough removal and the ability to like splash so many different things. If you've got a bomb, you can probably play it. Um, so like it just it just seemed like a format that is kind of unique and, and interesting, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 disappointed. I'm not really ready to be um, into a core set that that is very linear yet. But uh, hopefully, hopefully this core set surprises us kind of like the last couple that have just been better than usual, and uh, we can continue to play a bunch of limited. So I don't know. I, I don't want to keep rambling. Uh, if anybody has any like uh, dialogue or questions, I'm willing to go there. But yeah.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, Caleb, would you have any advice for our listeners as far as sealed in this format?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, usually you want to be on the draw. I was kind of confused because I opened up a pool that wanted to be on the play. Like, I had double piston sledge and a bunch of two drops. Um, And that was nice because I was winning on turn five, and so all of my opponents were sitting there with, like, their six mana bombs in hand, and they just never got a chance to cast them. And so that was... Refreshing. I wasn't just losing to Elshnorn constantly. Um, <laughs> it's a. I I agree with most of what Greg said. Like it's a. It's a pretty good limited format. Um, I enjoy it more than most. Uh, probably not as good as Rise, but definitely better than Zendikar.
0: Yeah. Well, Rise was a special uh, case. I think that was one of the best formats ever, as far as limited was
3: concerned. Isn't saying something. Worse than Rise, but better than Zendikar. saying it's one of the draft formats we've had the last 10 years.
0: <laughs> Fair. Well said, well said. Yeah, Max, uh, what are your thoughts on
3: Sealed in this format? Any advice for the listeners? Uh, No, I've actually... I'm usually able to get, like, crazy value whenever there's the release events online and you, there's suddenly good prizes for Sealed, but I found the the Well, Draft is, like really interesting and different and fun and skill testing. sealed seems like there's just so many kind of different factors that go into it in terms of what bombs you get and then there's just so many good uncommons and rares that I I'm not liking it as much as I was liking some of the previous seals we've had and I like sealed more than most. Fair enough.
0: Well, uh, if you or if you just crack your sealed pool, and you're uh, spreading your cards out. What are what are a couple subtle but important things you want to see and make sure that you're being aware of? I mean, is you know curve the most important for this format? You want a nice low curve. Is it uh, you know a couple um, uncommons or commons that you always want to play? Or is there a lot of graveyard recursion? You know, are you looking for remember the fallens and stuff of that nature? Uh, what are we looking for in this sealed format that's uh, that's unique now that NPH is out?
3: I mean, one of the biggest things that I learned from doing a bunch of seals is just how much value it is to have all those random effects that kill X ones. It's that, that I think this has been true for a while and continues to be quite true that cards like Blister Stick Shaman or mm-hmm. Virulent Wound or whatever are really, really good and I, de- I found that I've gotten pools that have, like, a bunch of those and then are somewhat weaker in other ways in terms of, like, having the awesome 5 and 6 drop bombs have done much better than I expected, and other decks have just kind of felt clunkier and worse. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um,
1: I, I totally agree, actually. like So, like, looking at, at some of the top tables, I, I, I haven't looked at any lists of, like, the, what decks... Um, what decks day 2 What what pools and, and builds off of day one ended up day twoing? I didn't look at anything of that nature, but when I when I actually walked around uh, at the tail end of day one after my match to try and get a a, a sense of what some of the other decks looked like, pith driller is in almost every deck. Almost every deck had a pith driller. Like two fours are insane in this format because not not only is is pith driller so good as a removal spell, which it is, but as a as a four butt that also can kill one butts, um, that that answers the vast majority of the format. A lot of a lot of decks that were um, on the fast end had um, the three one I am forgetting off off the top of my head, but the three so there? Yeah. That card's nuts. And if you have a way of consistently a killing and b answering just just answering that card and and cards of its ilk, you're sitting in a good spot. You can have um, blight widows and saying you've got you just you've got a, a bunch of cards that two four spot that just answer the vast majority of the format while establishing your you on the way to doing um, whatever. Like dirty things that your deck wants to be doing. Um, so you you can you can splash for lots of things. Phyrexian mana, both like both means that you can play pretty much anything, but at the same time it means that you have to be very careful and cautious to not have a deck full of stuff that helps your opponent kill you really fast. Um, um, life gain is um, surprisingly really 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 relevant. Um, you don't want things that just gain you life, but things that gain you life on top of being very solid cards are... Talisman, for example? cards. What's that?
3: Pristine Talisman, for example?
1: Pristine Talisman will gain you... Because people don't kill it. Um, it'll probably gain you somewhere from 9 to 16 life over the course of a game while also ramping you to your, um, your 6 and 7 drops, which is where the vast majority of the bombs are in the format. Uh so it's like a card like a card like that. Again, you're going to see all over the top tables in this in sealed. Um, it's 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 not only good; it's actually really good. Those are those are the those are the short things that I've that I've observed as being really important to to look for, um, both to put in your deck and to, when you're when you're getting to those top tables and you're playing against other good decks, the types of cards that you're going to see.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh... I completely agree and I think Christine Talisman is great. It, it uh, ramps and provides you extra sure. resources and it's uh yeah, it's a really well designed card. I think it's it's phenomenal. I also think that uh, the point that Caleb brought up was very important and interesting in that in this format if you can get a very aggressive deck in sealed, it is awesome because a lot of decks will try to play a slower game. You'll often get players that will give you you know, that, that'll want to go second. And if you can maximize your 2 and 3 drops and really push the pace, it's it's awesome. And uh, I've really had a lot of... The most success I've had are with aggressive sealed decks, although it's much rarer in this format. It's also very hard to build. It's, it's tempting, but often very hard to build an effective poison deck, I've found. Almost unplayable at this point. Have you guys had that experience?
3: There are some poison cards that are good, but the problem is now that you only have like... Two packs of of scars, and then in the next two, in the ne- in the other four packs, poison's kind of dispersed over the other three colors. It just means that you're generally not going to have like the ten dudes you need to actually kill people with it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. In terms of um, the types of infect decks that you saw before. Those are, the ty- are not the types of Infect decks that you're going to see now, even if your Scars uh, packs are really strong, and even if you get a handful of green here that like throughout all three packs, um, or, or a handful of black wh- or whatever, um, you are likely going to be playing some Infect cards in almost all of your decks, though. Um, if you're playing green, you're probably playing Wolf and Blight Widow, uh, and, and maybe Cis Bear. Um, you're probably going to be playing in, in 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 blue. You're probably going to play the um, viral Drake. Um, there's, there's, there's a handful of cards that are, you're probably putting in your deck regardless of if you have any other way of, of, um, getting in fact damage in, just because on their own, they're insane. Um, so you can, some of those cards, Viral Drake is a, is a a great example. He can be the only infector in your entire deck, and he, on his own, can, can win games. Um, um, so, so yes, I see infect decks a lot less, but you're, you're playing against an infect card or a couple infect cards in almost all of your matchups and it's, it's something that you can't just strictly ignore because a lot of those cards are, are 2 power or, or 3 power or they're, they're, they're 1 power but there's some way to make that 1 power guy um, get some additional reach, whether it be proliferate um, or, or pump
0: yeah, absolutely, and a lot of those cards just have great defensive value as well. Blight, Widow, as Max said, Viridian, Corruptor. Yeah, I mean, those those are just... Uh, th- there are definitely some Infect cards you just want to play. The 4-mana um, 2-2 two, two Flyer that can sack a guy and pump. Flash of your MPs insane.
1: You play, you play him in black even if, you, if you're not, not playing Infect. He can take... Go over a game out of nowhere, so he forces an answer out of your opponent. If your opponent doesn't answer him, then they're quickly in a situation where the game's out of control.
2: Yep, absolutely. I've seen a non infect deck splash for that card and have it be absolutely correct. Card yeah. is great.
0: Absolutely, and well, especially uh, you know, there's there's now there's there's also just a good amount of value with a card that can sacrifice creatures, right? Like there's stuff your opponent's going to have, like a glistening oil or two casting cost uh, enchantment that makes creatures not uh, able to attack,
3: or or corrupted conscience enslave right. and volition raids,
0: right? Or the good ones, yeah, exactly. So so there's those, and then there's also just you know there's remember the fallen, there's morbid plunder, you know things like mirror. Uh, th- there's there's just a lot of. Other options it opens up for you and more more uh, opportunities you have when you can kind of play around with it and so just the sacking ability as well is is an added bonus on that guy aside from his raw powers, you know pumping him and flying and having infect but uh yeah it's cool It's it's, it's a very fun format I think there's a lot going on in draft uh sealed I think also has has uh, is a pretty fun one i'm 'm pretty happy right now, although i am Looking, I'm definitely looking forward to what the next uh, dynamics will be. Although I have to say, they did a great job with MPH. The Phyrexian Mana is just phenomenal. What a wonderful design concept that was! Uh, I think it it really um, adds a whole new level, and uh, it's it's just awesome. And and it, some cards are really tricky, like the six four or the five four or whatever for uh, six that mm-hmm. has trample for yeah, yeah. Phyrexian green. Yeah. what's that guy called?
1: Tanadon, That's a, that's the second part of his name. Thund- I think Thundering Tanadon.
0: Thundering Tanadon?
1: Yeah, he's, a f- he's five four trample for four. Um, uh, Green, Fraxing Green. He, yeah, he's, he's actually a the- great example.
0: Well, that guy he's seems cool. like he's such a powerhouse, right? Four mana for five four trample. On the other hand, there's so much balance. There's a lot of uh, just artifact destruction that's available, and it's you know it's and there's just you know there's there's the guy that taps. That's a that's a common. You know, there's a lot of things where uh, that 4-life ma- can really hurt, you know, if you're just splashing him and you're not playing green. Um, yep, yeah, if it- you're
1: putting him in too slow of a deck, then, like, um, if you're putting him in too slow of a deck, he's just wrong to be playing, but if, you're pu- if you put him in, in kind of a mid-range deck where it's just borderline, um, them bouncing him to your hand, like, actually just is, is better than a removal spell in some cases. Because you, you you might get tricked into into paying an additional for life. Very
0: good. Yeah, yeah. So I just think that there's it's it's you know it still uh, has a lot of subtle complexities to the format as as always. But these ones are very. It's just very well engineered. It's very, it, it's very interesting, and it provides for a lot of unique situations that didn't exist before, uh, which I, I just think is phenomenal. Another good example is the two casting cost one one uh, that. Gets fire breathing for Phyrexian Red. I'm terrible with names, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Immolating Soul Eater. Yeah, Immolating Soul Eater. Like Caleb, what's your draw on that guy?
2: I like him a lot. I've had two opponents miss an onboard kill with him so far, so <laughs> so that's been sweet. Um, <laughs> I Have like you got to even... play with
0: him, or do you just like him because uh, he lets your opponents
2: misplay against you? Uh, I mean, I've, I've got to play him with him too, and like. Uh, every time he trades, like, my two-mana dork trades with some, mo- like, giant dinosaur monstrosity, I am mm-hmm. happy. And he does that very well.
0: Absolutely. Um, although, let me ask you this. Have you ever played him in a deck where you're not running red? Uh, yeah, once. Huh. See, that's just cool. I just love that.
1: Yeah, I've I've, I've played him in a deck where I'm not running red probably two or three times. Usually, though, I have... I have some some main tech pump with that though
0: oh, that's just cool. It's such a cool card. I love the design the you said
1: try gonna rage plus him um, having having multiple ways of of pumping. Um, one for just just swinging and then um, one for for taking on a bigger creature as they, they block um, is is pretty nice. not having to pay life every single time that you
0: sure well uh. I think it's uh we are getting up on an hour, and uh, we're gonna wrap up soon i before we do wrap it up, um, I want to say one thing which is that I just got an email from Chris Otwell who is uh, the co-owner of this wonderful service and uh, oh, what's going on?
1: Oops <laughs> not sure how that happened
0: okay that's okay uh so was it, was it just me i I don't know.
1: Well, anyway, I think Chris
0: Atwell, uh basically is saying that uh, there's some network issues for MTG Cast. He believes that they were hacked, and that's what happened. Uh, so we are going to probably have to redo all the um, episodes and...
1: Oh, you mean resubmit all the previous episodes?
0: Let's see. Yeah, I'm just reading through this now. Uh, it might be... Let's see. Huh. Yeah, so... Oh, we'll see. We'll see how the, all this turns out, but it looks like he's working on it, and he's a great guy with his stuff. So hopefully that'll all work out, and big shout-out to Chris Otwell. Uh, if you ever see him at a tournament or just want to shoot him a random email, he does great work to keep the cast going and uh, really provides a great service for the community. Uh, so uh, thanks to him and whoever is hacking our stuff, that's horrible, and stop, because you're just hurting the community. Um, and uh before we tell them how to get in touch with us Greg uh, Caleb let's give you one more plug you can find Caleb on channelfireball.com. is there an email address where people can ask you questions or yeah Caleb Durwood at hotmail.com works fine right out there so Caleb Durwood at hotmail.com and uh, it's not one you make up right just for uh, for the show or for uh, your your articles and stuff that is your email you check it regularly and that's pretty yep. cool because a lot of, like we have four spikes at gmail just because we get flooded with other stuff so we want to
2: keep i tried doing another one but i really only have the um Mm -hmm. wherewithal to check one email address so (laughs) right on
0: well uh great and uh if people have questions about articles you write or or any ideas or anything they can submit those to you
1: yeah for sure
0: cool cool All right, well, you heard it here first, listeners. Caleb Derwood is open for business, and he offers some great insights and is a great investigative researcher as well and reporter. So if you have any hot scoops you need checked out, let him know he's on it like TMZ. Max, is there anything you want to drop
3: before uh, we wrap this show up? Nothing really about magic. Uh, The only thing I would say is that if you haven't had the opportunity to, the first season of Game of Thrones on HBO was really good, and you guys should watch it. For show. I've
1: been
0: hearing about that so much, but I'm, I'm waiting to get it all so I can bust out on our home projector and we can watch him uh, in a marathon session. And also, uh, Max is quite the hooper, as we found out a couple weeks ago. So if you ever see him on the courts, don't let that, uh, you
3: know, 6'5", 110-pound frame scare you.
1: Max, are you in, Are you back in Milwaukee?
3: Uh, no, I'm in North Carolina right now. I'll be back at the end of July. Greg, how can the people get a hold of us?
1: Um, as Jonathan said earlier, we're um, available at uh, gmail four spi- at gmail.com if you want to email us. We're also on t- Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter is just fourspikes, and on Facebook you can search for us as well. Um, yeah, th- thank you guys, loyal listeners, for uh, for listening to us. It's been quite a while. Um, sorry about any uh, any technical issues that may come through on the cast but uh again thank you all for for listening and thank you to both caleb um caleb max and of course jared who was on earlier unfortunately um didn't didn't make it all the way through Uh, thank you guys for for joining us
0: absolutely and and we also want to make sure we thank mtg cast and game universe for hosting our podcast Uh, if you're in the milwaukee area uh, check out Game Universe. They have wonderful events going on. Their f are huge. And great guys all around that hang out and work there and play there. So definitely check them out. And, yeah, thank you very much, Caleb. You're a great guest. Uh, we hope that we can have you back on a future show.
2: Oh, and, for sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and uh, Max, always a pleasure. And uh, Judge Jared had a couple technical issues, so we'll, we'll get those for you all for next time. But we want to thank him. And, uh, yep, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Adios.
1: Bye bye.
3: Later.